This is Lego Football. This week, Adrien Del Monte joins to discuss Italian clubs in Europe and then issues in Calcio. We focus on the Serie B defender of the season and that back four in the best 11, plus the latest movements around the peninsula. Ecco Lega Football. All the way from Milano, previously all the way from Australia, it's Adriano Del Monte. His handle on Twitter is at Adrian Del Monte. He's one of the leading voices on Serie A and Italian football, not just on Twitter and the internet, but he is one of those faces you will always see. A number of broadcasting networks that Adrian represents in the English-speaking world of Serie A, based out of Milan with an Aussie twang, a familiar one for me. Adrian, welcome to the show. So wonderful to be with you. Thank you for the very kind introduction. Catania recently has been taken over by the Peligra Group. Proud as an Italo-Australiano? What do you think? Of course. So I've actually just returned from Sicily. My family are from Messina. So obviously you remember very well the seasons where there were Messina, Catania and Palermo all in Serie A. Very special time for Sicily. But look, beautiful scenes, isn't it? Italian Australians coming in, investing in Catania. It's what we need. Again, these are... In their own right, all these clubs have history. They have appeal. Their their cities, their towns, their cuisines, everything about these places are different. So, look, I'm, I'm all for it and we need to see more of it because these individuals that are investing in our clubs, in our competition, are doing so because they see potential, they see promise, and that's exactly what we need. And I think the more the, more the merrier, I think if we can work together as one, Obviously, everything we're saying, not disregarding those that are running the show at the moment, but working together, coming together and pushing the product together and growing it forward together. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about all of it that's coming in. And of course, with the with the Australian touch as well with Catania, it's extra special. It is. And I've spent a lot of time in Catania. I actually played for Catania Cricket Club back in the day. Believe it or not, there <laughs> is a Serie A and Serie B of cricket in Italy. That's another discussion, which uh, perhaps, <laughs> I don't know if you have a Next role your arm over back in Australia, Adriano, but course, maybe we can have a cricket course. pod one time. Let's do it. City Group has taken over Palermo, which is another step in the right direction. It's foreign ownership and it's not necessarily Italian, but, you know, fifth biggest city in Italy, it deserves big representation. So we'll see how they go in Serie B. They're looking to make some signings. We've seen, uh, now we're getting on the subject of actual football on the pitch. I've got a little segment I might try and bring into this pod. I want to call it the spazzatura section, where for those who don't understand what a spazzatura is, it's like the big industrial bin where you throw out garbage. What do you think of this Cristiano Ronaldo to Napoli rumor? Do you think it's spazzatura material or? For, for me, this is, there's one word to describe it in Italian. It's impossible. For me, no, Ronaldo to Napoli, I think it would be the second biggest move in the history of football after Maradona to Napoli, but no. I don't, I don't think that this has any chance of happening. I, I have a good hunch where Ronaldo will end up. I think it just makes the most sense, but I don't think Napoli will be the one. Yeah. Although I would love that. I would love to see that. Yeah, the, the romantic in me wants to see one of these uh, superpowers in terms of individual players in uh, Naples. You know, I've got a bit of an affection for Napoli uh, since I was a little kid, always following the Partenope, but uh, I 
I, non ci credo. What do you think of Romelu Lukaku? Do you think Inter are now the Scudetto favourites given that one signing? Or do you think there's a, a bit of a recipe that needs to be sort of baked and put in the oven to see what Simone Inzaghi can do? I do. I, I think Lukaku back is uh, obviously, I think he'd take back that 12 months if he could. But I think ultimately this is going to work as it was previously. Lukaku and Lautaro had a wonderful partnership. And uh, like I, I think that Inter will be the, the clear favourites to win this season. I think... They're a very complete squad. Inzaghi's second season at the helm now. I think it's a very exciting time for Inter, but I'm hoping for their sake that they can go deeper in the Champions League. I think that has to be the focus this season for all four Italian clubs. I'd love to see at least two quarter finalists probably into a new event and I'd love to see Milan and Napoli get out of the group actually it's probably been 20 years since all four got out of the group in the very early days where we had four involved but this season for Inter I would love to see them make at least a quarter final of the Champions League that's my objective for them well Serie A and Italian football in general shooting for the stars in Europe Roma does have a conference league trophy the Giallorossi took out the inaugural UEFA conference league this time it'll be Fiorentina in that competition as Roma steps up to the Europa League alongside neighbours Lazio. We'll hear a little bit more from Adriano later on and that'll be covering the latest Serie A TV broadcasting rights that will go into the Middle East and North Africa and also Adriano's thoughts on revenue investment in Italian football, adaptation to modern marketing and that's a preview to the full interview which will be released next week on the Lega Football platforms. This is Lega Football. Well, last time out on the Lego Football Podcast, we dived in to see who would be the Serie B goalkeeper of the season. And after much deliberation and a lot of analysis, it was Leandro Cicizola who took the title and even above Marco Carnesecchi. So as we move forward, we have to now look at that defensive backline. One thing in particular that Serie B is renowned for is a solid defence. Lecce won the league in 2021-22, boasting the lowest total of goals conceded and was thus duly awarded top flight status for 2022-23. Great defensive records alone won't necessarily attain promotion as Monza, Cittadella and Cremonese found out in recent years. Pordenone with 71 goals was deservedly relegated to Lega Pro alongside Crotone, who conceded 61. Incredibly, Ternana claimed 10th position, just four points adrift of the playoff zone, yet equaled Crotone's poor record courtesy of five own goals, the most of any team in the past season. Curiously, Pordenone didn't concede one. Ascoli was the strongest team on the road with 35 points. Predictably, Lecce did most of their damage at home with 44 or 71 points secured at the Via del Mare. And we'll see if they can repeat that in this coming season in Serie A. Which individual defenders were the very best of Italy's second division? Recently, Lega B put it to the fans to vote for the Serie B best 11 for 2021-22. And the Tifosi, they chose Marco Canasecchi in goal. And the back line of Samuele Berindelli of Pisa at right back. His Nerazzurro cohort, Pietro Beruato on the left side. And the centre-half pair of Cremonese's Caleb Ocoli and Federico Gatti of Frosinone. 
And after assessing the limited statistics available on the FBREF.com website, we've listed the most consistent defender of each Serie B club for 2021-22. The criteria for each candidate, they must have played the whole season in Serie B in a minimum of 25 games. That's roughly two-thirds of the 38-game regular season. 59 defenders qualified under this criteria. Di Gennaro of Alessandria, their centre-back, 29 games, 12 cautions though. Did score three goals, but Alessandria, as we all know, are down in Serie C for the upcoming season. For Ascoli, it was Baschirotto, the right back, 36 games, 10 yellow cards and two goals. Goals are not one of the variables that are going to decide who is the best defender, but they may be a deciding factor. Letizia of Benevento, their trusty right back. You'd all remember him from a super strike against Sampdoria in Serie A a couple of years ago. Four yellow cards only in 34 games. Quite a good disciplinary record. One goal and three assists, of course. That uh, delicious right boot of Gaetano Letizia. Cistana of Brescia, a centre-back. 37 games for six yellow cards and four goals. So quite a solid contribution from Andrea Cistana. For Cittadella, it was Daniele Donnarumma, their centre-back. 26 games, five yellows. No goals or assists. For Como, it was their right back on loan from Spezia, Luca Vignali. 32 games, six yellows, three goals and three assists. For Cosenza, well, they managed to stay up, but they won the playout over Vicenza. It was Michele Rigione who led their back line, their centre back. 34 games in the regular season, just the five yellow cards there. So they were dependent upon Rigione. For Cremonese, it was their right back who was the most consistent. That was Ser Nicola. A performance of 35 games, 13 yellow cards, five goals, two assists, a big year for the Cremonese right-sided defender. For Crotone, they went down. It was Jonut Nedelciaru, their Romanian central defender, 32 games and six yellows, two goals for him. Frosinone, well, Federico Gatti, huge season, their central defender, first ever season in Serie B for him at, at 23 years of age, 35 games, 13 yellow cards, he has the record for most yellow cards in the league, so he was not afraid to get down and dirty. Five goals as well and two assists. So a mammoth contribution from Gatti. No one was expecting that. He'd only ever played the one season in Serie C. Moving on to the Serie B champion, Lecce. It was Fabio Lucioni. 37 games in the regular season, eight yellow cards, a goal and an assist to go with that. Monza, they won the playoff over Pisa. Carlos Augusto, their left wing back who could slot into a back three if necessary, does like to invert. Can't shoot on both feet. So uh, he's only 22 years old. The Brazilian, 32 games, seven yellows, two goals and one assist in the regular season. Parma, well, it was a breakout year for Cobu, the French central defender. 35 games, just the five yellows, two goals and three assists. Perugia, they came up from Serie C. They played a three-man defense under Massimiliano Alvini. And it was Filippo Sgarbi who led that three-man back line. 33 games, just two yellows. One goal and no assists for the season. But he's a youngster. He's one to keep your eye on. Pisa, brilliant back line for Pisa. One of the best defenders in the league. 36 games for Antonio Caracciolo, their central defender who suffered injury late in the season. 10 yellows. 
two goals, no assists. Any one of their four starting defenders could have been their most consistent. They all contributed immensely throughout the season. We'll move on to Pordenone, who ended the season in 20th place, relegated down to Lega Pro. Central defender is El Kuakibi, 25 games, nine yellows in there. Just the one assist and no goals. Regina Di Chiara, their central defender, 33 games, 10 yellows, one goal and three assists. For Spal, it was the right back, Lorenzo Dickman, 32 games, six yellows, three goals, three assists. So big contribution from him. One of those players that helped them stay up. They just avoided the playout zone, which is quite a surprise because Spal had quite a solid squad and even brought in Giuseppe Rossi at one stage. Ternana, Bruno Martella, the left back. He can also play on the right at times. 32 games, four yellows, two goals, two assists. And for Vicenza, it was Bruscagin, their central back, relegated courtesy of losing the playout to Cosenza. 29 games, six yellows, no goals, and the one assist. So those are the Serie B defenders with the most consistency per club. Here are some interesting data points for most minutes. Goals, assists, yellow cards, and red cards. Most minutes in the regular season was Maxime Leverbe, 3,322 minutes at Pisa. Most goals, Federico Gatti, five for Frosinone. Most assists, Marco Pajac, the left back for Brescia, seven assists. Yellow cards, Federico Gatti again with 13. Red cards, Matteo Sollini of Como, just the two red cards. Most starts in the regular season, 37 games is the league record for 2021-22 and split three ways between Cistana, Lucioni and Leverbe. And youngest defender to play over 30 games, that's Enrico Del Prato, 21-year-old Parma defender with 34 games in a big season for Del Prato. And he's re-signed with the Ducali for the upcoming Serie B season. So let's move on to the centre-half pairing. It's time to enlist two pillars to stand firm and lead that back line. Firstly, a selection that picks itself and what a debut Serie B season for Frosinone's Federico Gatti, who until 2020 was laying bricks for a living. After just 18 games for the Canarini, Juventus came in during the January window to snap up the then 23-year-old for 4.5 million euro and allow him to conclude Include the season on loan with Fabio Grosso's side. He was the standout defender there alongside Cotali as well. So he is the first picked in this four-man backline. Then there's an unlikely hero. The competition was fierce for this one. Just shading Antonio Caracciolo, Fabio Lucioni and Caleb Occoli is Andrea Cistana of Brescia. With three quality seasons already behind him, the Bianca Zuro Dynamo commanded his troops on 37 occasions and showcased his attacking qualities with four goals. All of this while only receiving six cautions. The fans on Twitter, they all voted for Caleb Occoli. He was a close call. He does display vision with superb vertical power passing and marauding runs forward. However, his stats simply didn't match it against candidates with more experience and more game time. Chistana played 10 extra games than Okoli throughout the regular season. Honorable mentions must go to Caracciolo, Kobu, Lucioni, Sgarbi, Okoli, Botteguin of Ascoli, Di Chiara, Regina, Leverb, and Del Prato. So the Lega football central defenders, Andrea Chistana and Federico Gatti. To support them, on each flank at right back the most consistent throughout the campaign was Samuele Birindelli for anyone who watched enough Pisa games they would know this 
He provided tireless running up and down the right flank, track back in good time and was one of the team leaders and was captain in that playoff final against Monza. He's linked with a Serie A move where he could follow in his father's footsteps. That's Alessandro Birindelli, who won three Scudetti for Juventus between 1997 and 2008, was capped by Italy on six different occasions. Honorable mentions must go to Lorenzo Dickmann, Luca Vignali, Leonardo Sernicola, Gaetano Letizia, Federico Baschirotto and Tommaso Cassandro of Cittadella. He didn't qualify for the senior best 11 due to falling short of the games required. He fell short by just the one, but I have seen Cassandro play live. Magnificent right back. He's young as well, and we will be seeing big things from Cassandro in the future. So the Lega football right back is Samuele Birindelli. Moving on to the left side of defence... Another tough pick here, however, both Marco Pajac and Carlos Augusto were pipped by Pisa's Pietro Beruato, who was simply sensational for Pisa for the entirety of the season. On loan from Juventus, the Nerazzurri, they're keen to bring him back on a permanent deal. The genes of the Beruato family are impeccable. Pietro is the son of former Lazio and Torino defender Paolo, and his sister Greta is a Miss Italia finalist for Tuscany. Honourable mentions must go to Bruno Matella, Carlos Augusto, Dan Fulon of Benevento, Marco Pajac and Emmanuel Valeri of Cremonese. So we now have the first five members of the Lega Football Serie B Best 11 for 2021-22. It's Leandro Cicizola of Perugia. He is guarding the goal in front of him. Federico Gatti of Frosinone, Andrea Cistana of Brescia and Birindelli of Pisa and Beruato also of Pisa on the left side. But defender of the season goes to Federico Gatti, capping off the term with 35 appearances. Gatti contributed five league goals and made his national team debut for Italy against England, where he was able to maintain a clean sheet against the likes of Tammy Abraham, Raheem Sterling and Harry Kane. Let's go down and have a look at the youth of Serie B, the under-23 version of the Serie B Best eleven by Lega Football. We don't double up at Lega Football, so any under-23 players selected for the senior Serie B Best eleven are not considered for the Serie B under-23 squad. The beauty of the Italian second division is that there are so many talented youngsters on show regularly. They don't usually get that go in the top division. One giovane standout player was Tommaso Casandro, who excelled on the right side for Cittadella, as I was saying earlier. Those Odo-like precision passing and crossing in centrally for his strike force. He is named on the right side of defense in this under-23 side. Over on the left side is Carlos Augusto. Now, even the fans who voted for the official Lega B best 11, it was neck and neck with Carlos Augusto and Pietro Beruato. So with Beruato and the senior team, Carlos Augusto will be named on the left side of defense in the under-23s. He's 22 years old. In the middle, these selections pick themselves. Or perhaps there was one that was in dispute with Del Prato, very close to making this starting 11. It was Calebocoli of Cremonese and Elias Cobu of Parma. They were both magnificent for Cremonese and Parma, respectively, this season. Honorable mentions go to Filippo Sgarbi, Enrico Del Prato, Emanuele Valeri and Dam Fulon. And we need to make mention of Perugia and what a performance they put in in this past season. 
Freshly promoted from Serie C Lega Pro, Perugia's backline ranked second only to Lecce at the conclusion of the regular season, conceding just 32 goals under Massimiliano Alvini and his 3-5-2 formation, which featured Christian Del Orco, Marcos Curado and Filippo Sgarbi mainly as their three-man backline. Massimiliano Alvini has now taken the coaching role at Serie A club Cremonese. They ended the season in eighth place, Perugia, the Grifone remained unbeaten against Lecce. They got two draws from the eventual champions, while all remaining top eight sides managed to collectively score just 11 times against Perugia throughout the regular season. There's a good lead duration statistic here. Perugia trailed their opponents for just 15 0.5% of match time on average behind only Lecce, Pisa and Benevento. Of their eight defeats, Perugia lost by more than a goal twice only. Remarkable for a newly promoted club. Now let's cap this section off with the best Serie B defence for 2021-22. We're talking the best club in terms of defence. It's Lecce. They conceded 31 goals for an impressive average of just 0.82 goals per game and finished with 15 clean sheets for the term. But that's one behind Cittadella, who put in another great performance in Serie B. They didn't make the playoffs, though. The Granata. Pisa was the strongest club at home, conceding only 13 times at the Garibaldi, while Brescia maintained the best record on the road. 15 goals conceded there. The best young defence... In terms of club football was Pisa with Birindelli, Peruato and Laverbe joined by the more experienced 31-year-old Caracciolo. Moving forward, in the next episodes, we will examine the best midfielders, attackers and coaches of Serie B. If you'd like to know more about the Serie B goalkeeper of the season, you can rewind. Go back to the previous episode of Lega Football. Coming up on Lega Football, we've got some of the latest transfer news and also some coaching movements. But for now, let's welcome back Adriano Del Monte. What an interesting time in, in Italian football. I'm going to go into a recent interview with the Italian football podcast that you had with Nima. You described the latest Serie A TV deal in the Middle East and North Africa in the MENA region as a, a mess and that there are serious questions to be asked of the powers that be. So tell us a little bit about your frustration there. It's a very interesting period because the the MENA region being sports being one of the key players in that region is one of the networks that I've covered Serie A for over the years and last year Serie A was broadcast and streamed live only on YouTube after a, a breakdown in talks between being and Serie A. Being came back to the table this time around after some positive information that was passed on to them from some of the top clubs in Italy. They were keen to buy it back. It would have meant a significant financial investment back into the league, back into the clubs that could be reinvested into infrastructure and, and everything else that we need to improve here in Italy. But at the last moment, the talks broke down once again and Sedia uh, has gone elsewhere in that region for much less money. And I fear that we are falling behind and I don't know what that means for the long-term future of the competition. Yeah, I, I really recommend people to go and listen to that interview on the Italian Football Podcast. I did discuss this on that on that podcast. This is very different to when the Serie A was the best league in the world in the 90s and when La Liga was the dominant force, well, still sort of is arguably, but La Liga was the dominant force in the 2000s. The spending power that the Premier League have is unlike anything we've ever seen before and 
the salaries they can pay, the transfer fees they can pay. Again, as that money continues to come in, the gap becomes much bigger. It becomes much tougher for us to perform off the pitch, which ultimately means how we're supposed to compete on the pitch. And that now remains the biggest problem. So when we aren't getting our foreign broadcast deals right, we're losing further appeal in every other element that can potentially bring some income into the league. And with that, it's just another disaster. And at this point now, I don't want to make it sound like doomsday, but I really don't see any way back financially for Sedia as a whole. And obviously, this is not something that any football fan wants. But when you look at the finances, you look at where the league is at financially, you can start to understand where the motivations came from the top clubs in Italy, the top clubs in Spain, with regards to the whole Super League concept. Now, I'm certainly not one for that concept, but these finances is leading those presidents, those clubs in that direction. And I don't like that direction where football is potentially heading. Solid points for fans and people out there that want to know more about how football is funded. This is a a huge portion of that. Your point about the the revenue reinvestment of the English clubs and the league in general, the English Premier League, it's such a massive difference. It's a good segue to go into what the EPL does with their modern day marketing. The money is the key difference as the quality is still there in Italy. At risk is the ability to attract the world's biggest talents, as you mentioned, Adriano. Another point I'd like to bring up, remembering that the default second language of the planet in terms of Western languages or Indo-European languages are English and Spanish. So they have the advantage there. English more so, as over a billion people on the planet use English in everyday life. So the EPL, big winners there closely followed obviously by mandarin but we all know where those people are based then hindi and then spanish french russian portuguese italian doesn't even register Mm. in the top languages of the world in terms of spoken numbers 15 percent of the world's population can speak english in terms of total speakers now there are only about 70 million people in the uk plenty of colonies as we all know we're from one around the planet but when you compare that to italy outside of italy the estimation is that only five to six million people speak Italian regularly. Mm. Yes, there might be a large number of people with Italian heritage, which is where Serie A needs to really drill down on and focus, but the vast majority don't speak Italian regularly or grasp Mm. the language at all, and we've all got family members like that. So just having the benefit of English being spoken in massive numbers is huge for the Premier League in comparison to Serie A. Even La Liga has the advantage there over Serie A as Spanish is, is spoken so broadly across the planet. There are some very, very bright, intelligent people doing wonderful things in this country, but it just comes down to a bit of a lack of awareness and perspective that the world is a little bigger than this country. And that has impacted our growth into massive markets like Asia, massive markets like Africa, the Middle East. This is where we're being held behind because it Obviously, England, with the, with the language stats you provided, which are very fascinating, obviously they have that advantage immediately. We've managed to find our way, navigate our way to success when we need to historically. And in doing so, it doesn't allow us the right time or, or approach to really put some time into saying, well, there are still actually holes in what we are doing here. There are still issues in what we are doing here. And I think the fact that we actually won those Euros made us think we were a little better than we actually were on the pitch, off the pitch as an organisation. And as such, well, we actually weren't. We, we got a little bit lucky. It meant we didn't need to address a few other key issues that needed addressing. So we just thought we'll continue doing the same thing. 
and it will work. We'll beat North Macedonia. We'll take care of Portugal or Turkey. We're the European champions. We'll go to a World Cup. Now, that's just one example of a time where I think... 99% of Italian fans were aware that's not going to just happen. And I know firsthand, I'm very fortunate to work on a number of competitions for seven or eight different broadcasters across the globe. I know the discussions that these broadcasters have with Serie A and how they differ significantly from discussions with the Premier League, with La Liga, with the Bundesliga, leagues that are continually trying to improve and better their product into these markets. We've seen the Bosman ruling come in, the globalisation of the game in general, which has favoured these other leagues that were always looking at Serie A and wanting to be Serie A. England is always going to have that advantage, I believe. The lower leagues here, for those that don't know, I'm based mainly in the UK. They're closely followed and well-funded. You can go to a fourth division game here and they're packed. There's five to 10,000 people. They're well-funded. The community's massive around these clubs and they're broadcast and they've had their own TV rights deals. And there are commentators that will commentate Serie biggest games on a Sunday night and then they will be commentating a lower league match on a Saturday afternoon because it's in demand here and it's in English and people around the world can buy that subscription and enjoy that. We're Italian blooded, you and I, we feel it in our bones and that's not discounting all the non-Italians who are honorable Serie A lovers and uh, disciples. But that is the power of broadcasting and coverage. There are non-Italian honorable Serie A lovers and disciples because we can see The experiment in the UK in the 90s, Channel 4 and Football Italia, they showed Serie A at a time where the English Premier League refused to show their own code. And what happened was all these British young men and women, they went out and they watched every Sunday Lazio versus Cremonese or Parma versus Juventus. And they fell in love with the sport. They saw for for how beautiful it actually was. And it developed a massive following of Italian football in England. And there are people still that jump on planes, they book EasyJet, they book whatever flight, they go and watch uh, Como on on the weekend. But (laughs) in saying that, we're falling down in Italy where we take too long to announce game times and what day they're going to be on. And obviously, for those who have ever lived in Europe, the sooner you know the fixture time and the fixture day, you can go and book a flight, book your hotel, and it's going to be cheaper. But we're giving these people two or three weeks to organize things when flights have doubled or tripled in price and the likelihood of them booking and going has diminished tenfold. And I get people sending me these messages all the time because working in commentary is like, when's this game going to be played? Well, sorry, but the league still has to release the fixture times. And I'm sure there is a logistical reason for that, but it is frustrating to the fan. The power is there. We've seen it in the 90s with the English experiment with Channel 4. People love Italian football. On the face of it, Serie A, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know another league in world football that has the history and quality of clubs as Serie A do. There there are seven or eight genuine historical clubs that play football here that have made their mark in the history of the sport. There are multiple cities that have history, culture, tradition, everything that everyone loves to visit. We have everything going for the product. The product is just not being marketed. Given the history of these cities, the the tourism, the food, the culture, the tradition, then the quality of football and the history of these clubs – 
this seems like it's the easiest product to, to sell in world sport. Everyone wants to come to Italy. Everyone dreams of visiting Italy. Everyone who comes here wants to come back immediately. How much easier does it get? The product is there to be sold, but we still can't do it. Serie A needs a strong Serie B. They need a strong third division as well. But when you get beyond the third division, and we know how shaky the third division can be and how easy it is to declare bankruptcy. And we've now seen Palermo on the way back up. We've seen it with Parma. And and I'll link in Parma with something that you said, Adriano, when you said some of these icons iconic clubs that have the history. We could name any one of 30 or 40 Italian clubs. Parma is the Italian club that is the fourth most successful club in terms of UEFA competition. And they're playing Serie B. They went bankrupt recently. But now we have that foreign investment aspect where Italians and the diaspora are coming back in and injecting funds. Now we're going to see it with uh, the likes of Ascoli, Genoa is there, Roma, Fiorentina. That is a positive. Look, I think Serie B this season on paper looks as exciting as any Serie B season I've ever seen. You, some of the likes of obviously Genoa and Cagliari being relegated to clubs who are obviously very, very long journeys in Serie A with Palermo, the takeover there. Some of the clubs you mentioned as well, Venezia being dropped down, Cornwall. It's a very attractive league. And I think you're exactly right. I think you were spot on in saying that it needs to be strong from top to bottom. That includes your second and third divisions. And again, something that England have done have done right. There is that prize of getting amongst Italy's elites and, and I think they need to market that. I think that appeal needs to be there and while I am sad for a club like Venezia who obviously finally got themselves back into the top flight and have gone back down from what I have seen on social media from what I have spoken to a few people involved at the club, it does seem like they are going to continue at least with the, the marketing that they had started to implement last season, I like that. Oh, it's been sensational. It's been, it's been absolutely sensational. And isn't that great? Everyone loves isn't it. Isn't that great? It's yeah. going to bring some eyeballs to Venezia, to that club, to that city. It's what we want. And ultimately, if Monza's story can help add some appeal to Serie B, if Venezia can continue to do that with some of the new big clubs, I'm really fascinated by Palermo. We know how – we know how – well, we know – a couple of great runs Palermo have had as a club now with a bit of money coming in. They've been a club that have developed some very special players in the history of football. Let's see a few of these famous clubs get back in. Parma, of course, as well. There's so much quality there. There's so much history there. And this is Serie B. We need to, to sell them this beautiful product. Everyone wants to visit Italy. Let's announce our fixtures, our schedules a little more in advance. Let's make, let's discount some tickets for foreign visitors from certain parts. I, just let's be innovative in this capacity. Let's really get some eyeballs on our competition. So I hope it starts with Venezia and Serie B. I hope that a few clubs in Serie A continue to ramp up their, their marketing and what they've been doing online because it's really great to see. And, and I love to see more than just Italians talk about Italian football. Every word you just said, it sounds like the the Serie A gods are speaking through you. Adriano Del Monte, he's at Adrian Del Monte on Twitter. He is one of the leading voices on Italian football. Grazie mille, Adriano, for joining us. Grazie, amico. We'll do it again soon. And the full interview with Adrian Del Monte will be out next week early on all the Lega football platforms. 
Let's get you up to speed with all the latest developments. Over the summer, the Serie A playoff has been approved. And that's just in case the league needs to be decided with teams on equal points at the top. President Gabriele Gravina has been pushing the change for some time. If two teams finish level on points at the top of the table, they will go into a playoff to decide who takes the Serie A title. No extra time, though. So if they are level after 90 minutes, straight to the penalties. And this will only apply to the Serie A title if teams below the leaders are on the same points in the battle for a European place. That will still be decided by head-to-head record. This system brought back in after a few years in the wilderness. The last time the Scudetto was assigned by a playoff, well, that was only once when Bologna beat Inter 2-0 in 1964. On the last episode with Emma Gates, so going over some of the coaching movements around the Peninsula, Cagliari have appointed Fabio Liverani, who will take over the Serie B club. Massimiliano Alvini took the vacant Cremonese job after Fabio Pecchia left the Grigio Rossi for Parma. Fabrizio Castori took Alvini's job at Perugia. Rolando Maran is the new coach of Pisa. Giuseppe Biava has taken the Albino Leffe job, a team from the southern districts of Bergamo. Albino Leffe in the third division. Paolo Zanetti has joined Empoli as Aurelio Andreazzoli departs. The rise of Ivan Iavocic continues as he took the Venezia role to fill that position that he's vacated at FC Sutirol. The club from Bolzano have chosen Lamberto Zauli to lead their team into Serie B for the first time in their short history. Zauli, now 50 years of age, spent most of his playing career at Vicenza and Ravenna, but is best known for his time at Palermo, Bologna and Sampdoria from 2001 to 2007. His position was in midfield or on the wing. Walter Sabatini has stepped down as Salernitana sporting director after masterminding their salvation along with Davide Nicola. Taking over Sabatini is Morgan De Santis, the former Napoli, Roma and Udinese goalkeeper. Now 45 years old, capped by Italy six times as well. De Santis also spent some time with Galatasaray, Sevilla and Monaco. Some of the player movements, Mattia Destro will contest his 13th consecutive season in Serie A, departing relegated Genoa to bolster Empoli stocks in attack. Capped by Italy a decade ago and now 31 years old, Destro arrived in Genoa from Bologna in 2019, contributing 20 Serie A goals for the Grifone and joins Empoli now on a free transfer. Destra has never played in any other league, including even Serie B. After spells with five different clubs in the Italian top flight, those are Siena, Roma, Milan, Bologna and Genoa, the Ascoli-born striker restarts his career in Tuscany. Currently level with Marco Van Basten and Gianfranco Zola on 90 Serie A goals, Destro will aspire to reach that coveted century milestone, which would propel him past the likes of Lorenzo Insigne, John Charles, Alessandro Matri, Marco Boriello and Roberto Muzzi. With Guglielmo Vicario's impending transfer away from Empoli, President Corsi has brought in Samuele Perizan, who played in Serie B last season with Pordenone and has mentioned Sampdoria's Vladimiro Falcone could be a target. Previously owned by Cagliari Vicario's eight million euro transfer option was activated by Empoli but the club is now holding out for big bids from the likes of Fiorentina, Napoli, Lazio and plenty more suitors. The Azzurri have also made Peta Stojanovic and Liberato Kakace permanent members of the squad. A bargain price of 4.2 million for the pair. That's in euros. While Stefano Moreo looks likely to stay with Brescia. Simone Romagnoli leaves to play in Serie B at Parma and Lorenzo Mancuso is sold on a permanent basis to 
Monza for 3 million euros. So some money coming in for the Tuscans. Empoli has been the most active club in the transfer market other than Monza. Empoli has been the most active club in the transfer market so far, but in the coming weeks, Lega Football will also focus on newly promoted clubs, Monza, Cremonese and Lecce. Monza has been heavily involved in the transfer market. The latest is Marco Pessina, Italian international, Euro 2020 winner. Pessina will rejoin the Brianzoli. He started his career there between 2013 and 2015 with six goals in 22 appearances before moving on to don the jerseys of Lecce, Catania, Como, Atalanta, Spezia and Verona. Four goals for Italy in 14 appearances. So a big coup there by Silvio Berlusconi and especially Adriano Galliani. And apart from Alessio Cragno in goal, Stefano Sensi joins the Monza midfield. Plenty of other players rumoured, including Antonio Candreva and even Andrea Pinamonti. As for Cremonese, they've signed Johan Vasquez, a defender that played with Genoa. Tommaso Milanese joins on a permanent basis from Roma. Andrei Radu joins Cremonese on loan from Inter. Let's see if he can redeem himself between the sticks for the Grigio Rossi. And Lecce haven't been as active in the market, but they have signed Gianluca Frabotta. He joins from Juventus. A big news for Sampdoria fans, Fabio Quagliarella fans. He's signed on for another season for the Blue Ceccati. So great news for the Genoa-based club. And Lucas Leva has left Lazio for Brazilian club Gremio. Divock Origi has joined AC Milan. The 27-year-old Belgian Ford joins the Rossoneri on a four-year deal worth around 4 million euros per season. Six goals and 18 appearances for Liverpool last term. Shadalampos Likogiannis, the Greek left-back, joins Bologna as the Cagliari mutiny continues. Jao Pedro rumoured to be leaving shortly as well. On to Serie B, Cittadella has been active, bringing in attacking reinforcements in the shape of Raul Asensio from Lecce on a free transfer and Carlos Mbalo from KAS Eupen. Asensio is 24 years old, only managed five appearances at Victoria's Lecce last term, but has scored 16 goals in Serie B before in spells at Benevento, Cosenza and Avellino. Mbalo, 27 years old from Guinea-Bissau, has already spent five years in Italy, mainly in Serie B with Cosenza, Brescia and Carpi, but was tested in Serie A by Palermo. FC Sutrol has made a Serie B signing, luring in Mitko Caretta from Perugia. He's a left-footed attacker that has scored in all previous Serie B seasons with Ternana, Cremonese, Cosenza and Perugia. 18 goals in the second division in total, now 31 years old. He's been brought in by Lamberto Zauli. Meanwhile, former Sudirol coach Ivan Javucic has snared Francesco Zampano away from Frosinone on a free to join his new club, Venezia. Players that have made their moves permanent in Serie B, Alessandro Tripaldelli to Spal from Cagliari, Francesco Forte from Venezia to Benevento, and Enrico Del Prato from Atalanta to Parma. And of course, the rumors are flying around Europe. Casetta dello Sport reckons that 16 Azzurri players from the recent Nations League could make moves. Will Fugnonto more than likely will and there are plenty more signings that will be made official in the coming days and weeks so that just about wraps up the show for this week as usual big shout out to all the other podcasts from Serie A Chronicles to the Gentleman Ultra Forza Italian Football Rigore Forza Napoli Podcast I've even listened to a new one called La Lanterna discovered that one Genoa fans have put together their own podcast and special thanks going out to this week's guest Adrian Del Monte who first was interviewed 
interviewed by Nima on the Italian Football Podcast about his frustrations in Italian football. So we direct you to go and listen to that one. The full interview with Adrian Del Monte for Lega Football will be released next week. To all the fans and those involved with all levels of Italian football, we all need to keep the movement going in order to help the promotion of culture. It was my pleasure bringing you this broadcast. That's all from me, David Farini. You can find me on Twitter at David Farini underscore. And don't forget to follow Lega Football. Forza Calcio sempre. This is Lega Football.